1: Welcome into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Cersosimo, and you are listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals, Do You Believe? We got a very good and interesting show for you today. Um, There's some big news coming out of Palm Springs, California, where Indian Wells, the BNP Paribas Open, was canceled. As for now, they believe they might postpone it. And someone close, near, and dear to me, um, my father and my sister, planned on going to that for my dad's birthday coming up this weekend, and now they're kind of stuck. My sister lives in LA. My dad lives here in South Dakota, where I do, and I believe he's still going to fly out there. I haven't talked to him about it, but in this episode, I'm going to interview my sister. My sister is a writer, Brooks Ersosimo. She is a writer for the NFL Network in Los Angeles. Um, She's also a journalist, just like I am. And, um, she actually, I broke the news to my dad yesterday and he broke the news to her. And I was kind of on a three-way call with them when it got broke, um, that the BNP Paribas Open was canceled. But, um, I'm going to talk to her today about some of that. She's also an avid tennis fan, loves tennis. She's been to, um, all the majors except for one. Um, let's put it that way. And we'll get into that, um, probably a little bit later, but for now, Please welcome in to Believe in the ATP Tour. For the first time, we'll probably have her on again, my sister, Brooke Sersasmo. Brooke, how are you?
2: Hi, Jake. I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I am well. It's like I just talked to you earlier today or something.
0: <laughs> you know. <laughs>
2: um, we've
1: been talking about this for a while. Good to finally have you on the podcast. I know you're an avid listener, an avid tennis follower. Um, and another interesting fact about Brooke is she was going to Indian Wells. That was supposed to start Monday um March 9th but did not so Brooke what was your immediate reaction what was it Sunday it got canceled what was your immediate reaction I guess um to hear the news Uh, that the BNP Paribas Open got canceled for now
2: I actually I was so devastated because well our dad John is supposed to come out here he's still coming but he's coming out on Thursday and his birthday is Friday and one of our favorite things to do is watch tennis and we were headed to um Indian Wells for two days, so we're pretty crushed about it.
1: How many years have you gone to uh Indian Wells?
2: Um I want to say maybe four.
1: Yeah, I went the first year with you, correct? Was that your first year going?
2: Yeah, I think so. That was like I think I've been going since two thousand
1: sixteen. Yeah, I think it was my
2: yeah
1: wasn't it my no it was my sophomore year of college we went
2: 2017 okay so then I've gone three years
1: yeah what I mean what makes I've been there but like people who haven't been there what's uh what makes that tournament like so special
2: I honestly think it's just the grounds, like the feeling when they say tennis paradise they're not kidding I mean you feel like you're just in the most beautiful place it's It's a small, I mean, it's a big venue for Indian Wells, California, where, I mean, there's not a ton of people that live out there, but when you compare it to majors and the access that you're able to get to players and things like that, I mean, it's, you can't compare them. I mean, you can get, with a grounds pass, you can get into any stadium except Stadium 1, and you can watch players practice feet away.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's one of the cooler feels that Mm -hmm. um, Indian Wells has is it feels small, but also it's like the Grand Slams where um, you can't get into that top court. And I think that's something that um, a lot of people thrive on is, um, you know, wanting the unknown. And that's a tournament that, um, you know, you're paying good money like you are at the U.S. Open, like you are at the other ones for the grounds passes, but you're really getting your money's worth. And it's like a small town or like a small tournament feel. But then it mm-hmm. also has the big tournament feel. So no matter what you're going there for, whether you want the big tournament feel like the U.S. Open or the small tournament feel right. like a, you know, a city open or Cincy, and you're getting both of them. Um, and I think right. I think that's why they're trying so hard as well to get this tournament somewhere else. Because really, there's no other tournament like it. Some people may argue... Um, like Miami, but Miami, I feel, is so big now with them playing in Hard Rock Stadium that Miami yeah. is like most things in Miami where it's like a giant show. Um, right. And then when you go out to the desert, that is Indian Wells. Um, It is a little special. Although, um, let's talk a little bit about the new rule. What was your... Um, well, I talked about it, I believe, in two podcasts ago, maybe, Um, that there was a million-dollar incentive for bigger players to play doubles, and this year was really going to be the first year for them to do that, and it also um, was kind of a test in the waters thing um, that I was really looking forward to. So what was your, I mean, what do you think about that rule? Do you think more places should do it, or do you think it um, could be a risk of injury or something?
2: Um, Actually, as a fan, I love it because it's not, you know, the million-dollar bonus is if you end up winning both. Yeah. draws. If you win the singles, then you win the doubles draw. So it's, I mean, and those top players, I think they, I I actually think they enjoy it because it's not like they need to do it. Djokovic doesn't need to come out here and play doubles. He's yeah. doing just fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I think it's just, I think they enjoy it because the fans love it. And, and also as a fan, especially at a place like Indian Wells, like, they might put Djokovic and uh, Troiki, I think he was playing with, they might put them on court, too. But you might see one of those top players on court three, which, with a grounds pass, there is the option and availability for you to see. You can get courtside seats in there if you go early enough.
1: Yeah. I... Um.
2: So, I mean, imagine seeing Djokovic or Nadal or... You know, any of those top, Zverev, any of those top guys playing doubles, I mean, just right there. I mean, you're not going to get that unless you pay the big bucks to sit in Stadium 1, you know, basically in a player's box.
1: Yeah, and I think if you're paying to go to Palm Springs for a few days, um, that's already racked up the tab a little bit on you. Um, but I think, yeah. I think it also adds a little spice and an incentive to this part of the season because Um, I mean, the spring is a pretty dull time. Um, I think the spring, um, the few months we have here after the Australian before we really get into clay court season and after the Mm -hmm. US Open are two points in the season where there's not a whole lot going on. And to bring everybody back to the US to play in the desert um, after they get out with their Australian Open series and a few smaller tournaments to um, add an incentive like that and add something special to this tournament, I think is... um, I think really spices it up, and I think players like when um, things like that happen, or they throw little curveballs on the tour like that. And it's doubles, so I mean, you're not—it's not like you're wasting that much energy at a Masters right. One Thousand playing doubles. Um, right. What about the? Uh, I, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to add quick that I mean, even with the addition of U.S. in the last few years, and you know when these guys or Davis Cup plays doubles, um, do they play doubles in Davis Cup?
1: Yeah, I believe so. The Brian, I mean the Bryans um, are in it, so I don't know if the why the oh, Bri- good point, good I don't point. know why the Brian brothers yeah. would be in an all singles thing. Now, <laughs> now the thing. So I I believe they do. <laughs>
2: um but you know, you see them, it's becoming more of a fans like I think they just love that they're getting more fans and in, involved in tennis. Period. So I think they really enjoy you know, going out and playing in front of those bigger crowds. And when you play double, because it's, it is so fun to watch live, that I think that they really like that reaction, too, from the crowd.
1: Well, here's, here's something for you. I talked about it last week on the podcast, and I just thought about it again. Um, you're part of the media. Um, I'm part mm-hmm. of the media. <laughs> media in the family, as you can say, might be kind of – our niche um but what do you think yeah um and and you're part of the football world as well you see what the xfl is doing with um bringing media more into the game and they've done this at the atp cup i believe no sorry at next gen where they let them coach and they let the viewers in on what's being coached when they put a headset on between changeover how I mean, mm-hmm. how do you think the media could maybe get more involved? Because like you said, they're adding more things with this day and age. That is kind of bringing. Um, they're trying a lot of new things in tennis, not only to get the fans more involved, but especially in a media age when you guys got when you got guys like Sitsipas with a YouTube channel, um, bringing fans more mm-hmm. digital into the game. How like are there some ways like that? Um, do you like seeing that we can hear coaching? Um, and stuff like that kind of not in the bigger tournaments but in the, some of the smaller things really to get fans involved more and viewers
2: yeah I mean as somebody who's loved tennis my whole life when you even that again I'm going to mention labor cup when you see the players coaching each other and talking through things um, most notably when you see Rafa and Roger talking about gameplay, it's it, it really feels like you're really part of it and you get to know these players because a lot of the time, you know, you only see them when they're out there on the court playing. You don't really get to see the strategy behind it, even though, you know, they vaguely talk about it. But I think it definitely is something that for, you know, fans that are just getting acquainted with tennis, I think it's interesting for them because they know what you know, what's going on then. And it kind of can help them through the match a little bit more. And then for people who have been tennis fans for such a long time, it's also a unique part of the game too, because, you know, you think that these things might be obvious. Oh, why isn't he just doing this? But it's like, no, these people have a whole game plan that, you know, they didn't just come onto the court and play.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, you know, this, I know this, but being a part of the media, we do get to see and hear things that the regular fans don't get to see and hear, And that mm-hmm. is a cool part about our job. But also, like you said, at the labor cup, letting fans into that part of the game where they do get to hear what Rafa and Roger are saying to Sferiv mm-hmm. or team or Sitsipas playing in the labor cup. Um, I think that stuff is also really good for the game. Like you said, letting fans into, into their lives and into their head a little bit, because granted the tennis knowledge that is at the top of the game is some of the best tennis knowledge that has ever been at the top of this game. And, um, some of the best, some of the best knowledge of, of their sport in the world. And so letting us into that is, um, is I think beneficial. And I think we'll continue to move the sport forward going into the future where kids are spending more time on TikTok than they are at school. Um right. the <laughs> um the coronavirus is the reason that um Indian Wells um the BNP Paribas Open was canceled tentatively. They're I to- I've heard there's talks of postponing until later in the season but you live in Los Angeles um what's the Mm -hmm. I don't even know if we've had this talk yet but what's the coronavirus like out there when you guys have so many international flights coming from um Asia where I mean the brunt of it really is
2: um well there's definitely I mean there's definitely a scare I know a lot of people have canceled trips or you know they're A lot of people are working from home, believe it or not. And I mean, my commute today across Los Angeles, usually it takes me, I left at 4.30 and it usually takes me about two hours to get home. Only took me an hour and a half tonight. And I think a lot of that has to do with people, you know, being skeptical or or taking precautions and preparations for the coronavirus because I've never come home on a Monday afternoon that quickly before, Um, but I do know that the, I did see on the way home tonight when I got home, I was listening to the radio and it said that there were three new cases of coronavirus in the Coachella Valley, which is the Palm Springs area. So after hearing that today, it made a lot more sense as to why this was such a last-minute decision. And also I was talking with a few coworkers today about, you know, why they were, why they made this decision. I mean, it, cause it's really one of the first sporting events to have been canceled. Um, at least major sporting event. And, um, and a lot of people said, you know, Palm Springs, because it is a retirement community, a lot of a majority of it out there in the Coachella Valley. And so, and no, and, Older people are the the reason or the people who are most susceptible to this virus and other sicknesses and illnesses. So when, you know, when you kind of think of all the variables, it didn't really surprise me. I mean, it still bums me out. Um, But, you know, obviously it's more than just, you know, the initial precaution. You know, there's, there's a lot going on for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think the retirement community out there, um it is it is a majority of the retirement community and what a place to retire. I mean, it's gorgeous out there. But then yeah. when you're when you're talking about a global sport like tennis where it's not uncommon to see more people from outside of the United States at a tournament like this and I think one year they even had more attendance there than the French Open did. So it's not like this is a You know, a smaller tournament in the United States where they're going to get maybe, you know, 80,000 fans throughout the course of the entire tournament. I mean, we're talking half a million fans and up throughout the course of this tournament. And the biggest names set aside Roger Federer, but the biggest names Mm -hmm. in tennis are going to be here. And that was going to be my next question is um, going into the Palm Springs area because I know you live close. So I know that there um, I know that there's a lot of talk around there. But do you think um, I mean, you're not a doctor, Um, you are smart though. I'm not coming at your smarts. Um, the, um, I mean, there's another big tournament in Miami that's coming up Mm -hmm. here in this spring and also the French open which um, is kind of in that middle Ur- Europe area, and Italy's got hit hard and a few other places around there. So do you think something like this coronavirus canceling such a big tournament as Indian Wells is could be kind of a snowball effect of what's to come if nothing about the virus changes? I mean, in the next, I mean, two months can go fast, and in two months, it's May. Yeah. So, I mean, we're getting right. into major season again, and Miami's not too long away.
2: Yeah. If you would have asked me this two weeks ago, I would have been like, oh, it'll probably happen. But now I, I just feel like every day you check the news and, you know, there's a whole new development on this. So I guess I wouldn't really put it past anyone to if any of this got canceled. I mean, they're already with a lot of the major sports. They've already kept media. They announced today that media are staying out of locker rooms. And they won't have that access to players, um, I mean, across the NHL, MLS, NBA, all of that. So to say they would cancel, to say they would keep continue to play like a tournament like the French Open or the Miami Open, I don't know, honestly. Because I think it has a lot more to do than just the area, everybody coming in.
1: Yeah, and the global, and the big global part of it. Um, Yeah. uh, Let's talk a little bit about, um, we're going to shift gears. We talked about Federer not playing in Indian Wells. Fed surgery, the guy's 38 years old, um, Mm -hmm. still pumping along like a trooper. I mean, he's, I mean, he's still playing at his best. He went five sets at Wimbledon. He goes five sets at the Aussie Open a few times. And his post-match interview sounds like he just got done with an hour workout with his trainer. I mean, he's... (laughs) fantastic the guy's not human you know he's he's like uh getting better with age which who knew that yeah who knew that could happen in sports not me um but do you think this late in the career fed having a surgery like this but also deciding he's gonna skip the french and everything until wimbledon do you think this will help him not playing as much even though people are still down about the surgery part but do you think this will eventually help him
2: I don't think it'll hurt. I don't know if it'll help necessarily because that's just time away from practice. But, uh, you know, any veteran in any sport will tell you, like, rest is necessary the older that you get. Like, a rest day is almost more beneficial than getting out there and practicing again. And especially someone like Roger Federer who, I mean, just defies the odds every time he plays. I mean, you think you think he's done, you think he's washed up, and that's like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm going to win two majors this year.
1: <laughs> A casual two okay. majors. <laughs>
2: yeah. So I don't think it'll hurt. I I think it's honestly smart of him to skip the clay season, honestly. I mean, in his prime, he won it one time. Yeah. And that's because he didn't have to play Rafa.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm with you.
2: If he didn't win it 10 years ago,
1: he's not winning it now. He's not going to win it now. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, whether he's going to f- play Rafa at the French or somebody else, like he's beatable on clay as is, let alone at mm-hmm. this age.
1: Now you got guys you like Team and Sferov and Monfis. Exactly. Is, is playing really well this year. So anything Schwartzman can
2: Sportsman is great on clay. Like mm-hmm. it's just. Yeah. I, if I'm him, I'm not playing the French Open for the rest of my career
1: he don't need to i mean he's already got the career grand slam
2: well that and if he wants to just keep playing i mean i think of that same thing with rafa it's like you know why play the i mean everything's going to beat up rafa just because of the type of game he plays but i mean he could win six more french opens if that's all i did yeah rest his body play on clay
1: yeah i i was gonna say maybe he shouldn't play the clay court or the hard court season then i just remember that he casually won the u.s open um so right. maybe, maybe he should keep playing um i guess
2: at the end So of the, maybe no one should offer any advice to these guys because yeah. they clearly know what they're doing
1: yeah roger rafa joke if you guys are listening you just keep doing what you're doing yeah yeah, yeah. 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 we don't we don't know um the who do you think will end up with the most grand slams uh, Djokovic is 32, I believe. Rafa's 33, Fed's 38. They're at twenty, nineteen, and 17.
2: Um, That's tough. I think if the coronavirus... Djokovic is playing out of his mind right now. If the coronavirus cancels a lot of tournaments this year, including if the Grand Slams do not play, I don't think Djokovic will finish... With the most, I because never even thought about his it like best that. Right now. I mean, he's playing the best right now in a in a couple years, yeah. and with Fetter, me, Rafa. I mean, he's always going to contend. He's always going to be good, but you know, you never know. He's not playing as well as Djokovic is. Yeah. I thought you said, you know? "I
1: thought you said Federer, me." I was like, okay, Brooke. Me, I'm playing great. <laughs> I really, I've really been doing um, it in the YMCA lately. The YMCA against, league, I've been killing Against it. that wall. Yeah.
2: Against that wall, I'm really improving. <laughs> A training um, wall
1: on court eight, I've been killing it.
2: Yeah, yeah, but, you know, like, you just know the world. So, I don't know. I think, let's say that everything plays.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Nothing's getting canceled. Everything plays out. I do think Djokovic probably will finish with the most because, I mean, the way I mean he can stay healthy. He's his flexibility and his conditioning that I could see him playing for. I mean, at least five to seven more years.
1: Yeah. Now it matters if he can play
2: for twenty some more Grand Slams. Yeah not saying he's going to win every single one, but let's say he wins a quarter of those.
1: Yeah. And that's you and, know? and that's him winning a quarter of those. But also, it goes back to, one, health is going to be it because he plays a very defensive game. Mm-hmm. But I think with everybody, you mentioned a really good point, the coronavirus. Um, if that that cancels the French Open, that's a major that Rafa's not going to win. Um,
2: or Federer's not going to win for sure that I mean that no one else is gonna win
1: it leaves them all it leaves it leaves them all on a clean slate if that I mean if that keeps happening this year um if that cancels Wimbledon that's really gonna hurt Roger if that cancels French that's really gonna hurt Rafa and maybe even team getting his first title but I mean these guys aren't getting any younger that's a really good point that if things keep happening like this um I mean the Masters 1000s are also big wins and Right. No one got a chance to win this Masters 1000. I never thought about that. That's a good Mm -hmm. point. Um, Yeah. I think that... I only have good points. Yeah, all right. Well, don't get a big head. Um, (laughs) uh, Last thing here, we're talking about Grand Slams and who's going to end up with the most. Do you think when it comes down to it that Grand Slams are the um, do or die to see who the best ever is? Because right now, obviously, Roger's up there, but when you look at who's got the most um, ATP titles... I mean uh-huh. Rogers like tw- at least twenty above Rafa and Djokovic. So when it goes titles wise, it's a whole new ball game. But when you just talk about um you know majors, that's different. What do you think there's a differentiary there or do you think um you think we should just go by grand slams?
2: I do think it depends. You're talking about the greatest player of all time when it's all said and done. Correct. I think there's a lot, obviously, that goes into this, and we can argue this in any sport, but like for me, the Grand Slams are obviously huge. The smaller tournaments are should count, I think. But when you look at the Grand Slam, there's a reason that some of the top 10 players in the world... I mean, there's a reason that Andy Roddick won one time.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, there's a reason that David David Ferrer never won. Phenomenal player, but because these three guys have been so dominant, or Federer has been dominant, no one was even close to beating Federer for five years.
1: Yeah, besides Rafa.
2: I mean, there's a reason that if you upset one of the top players, that you come back the next day and you you get blown out. Mm -hmm. And so there's a reason that these guys are the best in the world. And I think you kind of look at that dominance of, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Rafa fan and I'm a fan of everyone because I just love tennis. But to me, to me, it does not matter if Djokovic finishes with 25 grand slams and Roger never wins another one. I think he's still the greatest player of all time. And it doesn't matter if Rafa passes Federer either. Because during that time, during the 2000s, it was unbelievable. You knew watching a Grand Slam, no one had a shot. You knew it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Where that's not necessarily the case anymore. I mean, there's, you know, at least there's three guys, and at sometimes there's four when Bob playing well or when Murray was playing well. Um you know, it's like okay, who could win this? I'm not sure. Yeah, where it was like during the entire 2000s. After he won that in what his first major in like 2002, yeah, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it was like okay, we can watch the Grand Slams, but once it got so late in the tournament, it was like I don't even care. No where one. now that's the best tennis.
1: Yeah, no one was touching him. Like no, right. nobody was on his level.
2: No. Not, and and they weren't even, like, oh, just missing. It was, like, every final was three sets.
1: Yeah. And even, like, if I can compare this to anything, it was, like, watching the Warriors the first year they got Kevin Durant where they went, like, 73 and, like, 9 or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if that's even yeah. comparable. But, I mean, it wasn't even worth watching their games because – the 73 games they won weren't even close.
2: Right. You know, and that was like,
1: that was like watching Roger. Like it wasn't even a game.
2: Yes. And if he was upset, it was like, oh my gosh, so-and-so beat him. Wow. Like that is insane. And then it was like, well, it's not going to have, it's not going to happen the rest of the year. (laughs) Yeah. Like it it wasn't even like, you know, oh, maybe he's losing it. Maybe, maybe everyone else is going to start catching up. It was like, no, that was another decade after that. Yeah, where that happened. You know.
1: Yeah, the only thing I can so remotely I, compare it to is I believe it was 2012 when Djokovic went like undefeated until like June or yeah. something, where like mm-hmm. no one t- like that. It was the same that year. It was like I'm not yeah. even gonna watch any of these smaller tournaments, and even the Australian Open was a wash. Like it was like mm-hmm. Djokovic didn't lose a match, and he's kind of doing that the right. same thing this year. But like mm-hmm. it was yeah. that, but Roger did that for like years.
2: Right. It would be. It, I really do wish that. I mean, Rafa and Roger's primes overlapped for probably yeah. what four years ish. Yeah, seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe. But they were still where, a king
1: of their own court.
2: Right where Djokovic, I mean, his prime was so much later. Where when Rafa and Fetter in the mid. 2010, like the the middle of this last decade, you know, when they were kind of, they were in and out, you were like, should they ever go win again? You know, that's when Djokovic just came on the scene, not came on the scene, but he really took over. Yeah. I'm with you. So I wish, I wish that Djokovic, it would have been amazing to see Djokovic and Federer playing in their primes at the same time. Who knows? Because I think, yeah, Go ahead. Just because I think, I mean, even Djokovic playing at his prime probably could have beaten Nadal more so on clay. I yeah. think he would have given him a, a better run at that. At that, at that, that. I don't know. It would whole new ball game. I think if it was just a little bit older or Fed was a little bit younger, I think it would be a whole different thing. But that's a whole another conversation.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um I mean, who knows? Maybe some of these youngsters will be the same thing. Maybe all their primes will match up. You look at Team's Fair of Sitsy Pass, Um, That'd be yeah. really interesting to watch. Brooke, where can they find you on social media?
2: You can find me on Twitter at B. Sersosimo.
1: Same spelling it's... as my last name, guys, because we're brother and sister. Yes. Um, yes. The, <laughs> and same thing on Instagram, correct? Uh, yes. I'm I'm warning you guys. If you follow her on Twitter, be prepared to like smile in public. That's all I'm saying. Be prepared to get caught smiling at your phone in public. Happened to me a lot. Brooks, Brooke, you got There's some a lot
2: of funny stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: There's a lot of funny stuff out there. There's a lot of funny things happening. Um, remember, if you want to sponsor, you can reach out to at Believe Podcast, B L E A V Podcast, both on Instagram and Twitter, or you can go to at Believe.com. You can reach out to me at Jacob Sersosimo. Both of us at the last name is C-E-R-S-O-S-I-M-O. Let me let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to hear. Let me know what you think of Brooke. She's great. Got a lot of good input. We'll definitely have you back on the podcast at some point, um, Brooke. Interesting fact about Brooke. You've been to three of the four Grand Slams, right? Yes.
2: Um,
1: which one are you missing? I have.
2: I'm missing the Australian Open. And I think it's going to have to wait a little bit longer, just because I work in uh, football. So it kind of falls at an inconvenient time. Yeah,
1: yeah I get it. Um, Super
2: Bowl Sunday is uh, the men's final, so
1: <laughs> it's a little, a little it's bit a of little a curveball. Yeah, a little yeah. tricky. Busiest time of year. Um, what about uh, so far? Quick, what was your? Which one was your best experience? It's also been a while since you've been to the U.S. Open, but.
2: Yeah, um, I would say, I would say Wimbledon. That's just magical. I just, mean, yeah, you don't mind getting up, sitting in a line for four hours. Like, who wants to do that? Yeah, I did. When <laughs> I woke up that day, because I knew I was going to Wimbledon. I was like, I will sit in this line <laughs> until <laughs> noon, you know. <laughs> That's um, so
1: cool. I'm so jealous. But, she went with my I other think- sister, my mom, so... I didn't get to see it, yeah. unfortunately.
2: But I want to say one one of the really cool things, um, if you are interested in going to Wimbledon, one of the cool things that they do there is that people who have center court seats, because you can't really get those unless you camp out or know somebody or are a member of the royal family.
1: <laughs> Which we so, are not.
2: <laughs> correct. Um, but they actually... Those tickets uh, those people that have tickets to the center court when they leave they drop their tickets off and people who have grounds passes can go buy them for 10 pounds, 15 pounds. I can't really remember. but um, you can buy that ticket for I mean a, a cheap if you want to see a match in center court, I mean, if you're already going to Wimbledon, you're paying whatever you want anyway to see to make your experience what it is. But for 10 pounds, you can go watch a match in center court, which is, you know, the, I mean, it's heaven on earth for tennis fans. Yeah. Being at center court Wimbledon. So I don't know. I just, I've always thought I never really heard about that part of the tournament until I went. And I just think that that option was phenomenal for fans.
1: I'm going to challenge you to go to the U.S. Open at some point soon because it was awesome. Um, well, I appreciate it, Brooke. Thanks Deal. for t- taking some time out of your L.A. nightlife and coming on to the podcast. Uh, um, uh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. We'll have you on again sometime soon. Look at that, guys. Two guests in like three and a half weeks, four weeks. I'm trying my best, I promise. All right. Thanks, Brooke. Appreciate it. Yep.
2: Thanks, Jacob.
0: This is the story of the one.